The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. You're listening to Tox Machina on the Critical Role Podcast Network. Tox Machina airs on Critical Role's Twitch channel every other Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Episodes are available on Critical Role's YouTube channel the following Thursday and right here on the Critical Role Podcast Network one week later. If you enjoy this episode, please consider supporting by rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, let's dive in to this episode. Of Tox Machina. Are we on the internet? We're back, baby! Oh my god! It's been forever, Danny! It has been so long since I've seen your face look like that. Well, what's it look like? Wonder and joy, Brian. Yes! Wonder I'm, and joy. I mean, I haven't worked in, in months. This is I, It's been amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed, you know. I spent the entire day in bed eating Doritos. And, I'm uh, so glad to know that you haven't been working at all. That just fills my heart with joy. It's been great, but we're back now. And tonight, we are discussing a whole bunch of episodes. We're going to start getting into everything as the show comes back. From when we left off, when we picked up on the hiatus, all the way until now. Um, tonight is very special because we have Matthew Mercer, Laura Bailey, and me. I'm back. You're back, baby. We're back, baby. All that and more tonight on Talk Smoking. <laughs> All right, we're hey. back. <laughs> it's so weird. We're we're doing this show from the comfort of uh, each of our homes, you know? Yeah. How's it's everyone? It's not the same. No, I miss the couch, the cuddles, the Danny stares that just sort of, you know, eat into your soul and your 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 mind. Don't Those worry, those are still here. I know it's, it's also it's a weird because I feel like at this point, like we've all gotten so used to Zoom that it's like it does kind of feel like you're still hanging out with people now. You know it's what I mean? True. It feels it's like true. I'm sitting in front of you guys. It's true. Yeah. I just I, miss Henry. I, I know. Henry. He's 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 asleep somewhere. Um, it's a little complicated to do a Henry cam setup, but we'll figure something out <laughs> at some point in the future. We'll figure something out as the uh, as the weeks go on. Um, but yes, welcome to the new sort of 
version of talks. We're going to be bi-weekly, as we've announced, um, every other Tuesday. And we're going to be discussing two episodes at a time uh, instead of just one. So that'll be great. And we're going to... As you know, because of the time is soup and uh, it's it's gone. Time disappeared. Uh, we're living in the world's longest march <laughs> of all time, <laughs> I think. Um, they, we're not able to take fan questions because all of you wonderful people have not seen these episodes yet that we're going to be discussing. So our wonderful lore master. Oh, that happened while we were on... <laughs> Hiatus as well. Our incredible Danny Carr has a new title at the company. She has she has gone from uh, runs the show to (laughs) (laughs) lore master. Yeah, lore keeper. Lore keeper. Sorry, same master. Lore keeper. Same thing. I mean, ultimately, um, we pay to preserve your brain. <laughs> like we do, Matt. We've insured Matt's brain for ten billion dollars. No, I, I don't know. We with, have with inflation. Who knows? Don't, what don't, don't spread these words. Uh, really, yes. Travis keeps running me over in the neighborhood. I'm like, <laughs> uh, but yes, we're so happy for you, Danny, and yeah. it's such a well-deserved. Um, title and uh, you're just such a valuable part of this whole thing and I'm sure the fans have missed uh, seeing you as much as they've missed seeing Laura and I. Yeah, definitely you and I. And Matt. And Matt too. (laughs) Matt's big on social media. So (laughs) we're going to there's no announcements. huge in Europe. He's huge in yeah, big in Japan. Less and less big on social media as the world continues. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, what's what's behind you there? What do you got this behind is, you tonight? What's the uh what's the what describe the backdrop that you chose for tonight for us? <laughs> uh well, obviously uh I assume the the post team will present a very magnificent landscape to help frame the space surrounding me. This is my first time using a green screen it's and a I'm big already regretting to it. Con, and I appreciate it. There you go. Oh, See, it is kind yeah. of a tribute to travel. Shades a little light, but you know, it'll work fine. Yeah. What kind of <laughs> landscape are you hoping the, <laughs> the post department puts in for you, Matt? I mean, now's your chance to really get what you want out That's of. True. No, no, I, first... I, I fear by defining anything, it'll be the exact opposite. So I'm just going to leave understand. it to chance. I understand. Uh, I, I trust in our post team to be respectful, <laughs> uh, but also a, a, a little dickish. And that's I wouldn't want it any other way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I understand. Um, something that's really cool about this sort of new edition of talks. Oh, new edition. This new edition of talks that we're doing is the questions are coming from Danny and myself and our production team, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but we're still going to have cosplay. We're still going to have fan art, all that good stuff. We have tons of stuff to choose from. Um, the fan art just won't be from the most recent episode of the show. Right. Um, but we have so many people submit amazing cosplay. We could literally have five years worth of cosplay winners. Mm -hmm. So thank you all so much. Please keep submitting for those. Um, even though our question threads and all that stuff aren't going up every week, you can still send all that stuff in. So tonight we are discussing episodes 108 and 109 
of Critical Role campaign two. We're still on campaign two, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we are. If, if we're not, I'm really messing this up. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention. What's going on, you guys? I don't know. Man, some pretty crazy stuff. I, I actually watched both of these back to back today. So oh, wow. I'm fresh and I feel like I had absolutely the wrong expectations for TravelerCon. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but uh, meaning that I was surprised in the best way. Did like, you think it was going to go like really well? <laughs> no, I thought there was going to be some sort of epic battle that took place, to be honest with you. Oh. Like I thought I thought it was going to end up being uh, some sort of a like obviously not what anyone was expecting not what anyone thought but i really thought it was going to end up being crazy i didn't think there was going to be uh first of all we need to get my lady some dice because <laughs> the performance check of uh six or whatever that first I one was know, on her first buddy. thing oh man it was so she, she turned it around she turned she it did. around. She did turn it around. She was able to get up again and go, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But um, yeah, uh, Matt, for you specifically, mm-hmm. this tug of war between the tug of war, tug of war, uh, you know, the tug of war with the Moonweaver's influence, um, how much of that did the Traveler and Jester's interactions during that tug of war? Influence him not going back to the Feywild. Oh, God. Um, I want to know all these things. Yeah, we were dying to know. <laughs> this is that's so exciting. I'm so glad we're doing talks again. And that's I actually why we're need to have back. Some insight into these things. Yeah, you can tell us. Um, well, I mean, a lot of the TravelerCon preparation was was no preparation. I was kind of leaving that entirely in the hands of of the players and, and Laura and kind of what they wanted to plan. And it was very reactionary from my standpoint. And as such, the travelers as well. Um, so when they began to make this plan with the Moonweaver and kind of watch it happen in my head, it was like, okay, well, the Moonweaver isn't necessarily happy about, you know, taking on the images and the icons and kind of essentially co-opting elements of her worship, but also isn't a vindictive deity necessarily. And having somewhat of a similar fey history as you know, Artagan, uh, the more of a deific standpoint, um, I, I knew that th- this encounter, depending on how how far they went into and leaned into the Moonweaver's uh, kind of symbology and appearance, there would be a punishment involved. Uh, at the very least, to take Artagan down a few pegs. Mm. So based on the interactions between Jester and Artagan in this, it was it, he wasn't going to be actually banished. It was a way for the Moonweaver to essentially scare the shit out of him and play oh. a trick back on Artagan. Okay. You know, like, oh, you think you're a trickery god. Well, welcome to the original trickery god, bitch. You know, that kind of a feel. Um, <laughs> so there was no chance that he was actually going to, like, go away forever. No, no. The, oh. not, not, not as part of this. Interesting. Um, but, okay, there okay. Was, but there was a possibility of, of him just vanishing for a while and leaving. How long is a while? Uh you know, and uh, probably a session or so. Oh, okay, 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 um, okay. Just, just enough to where, basically, if 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 the entire interaction with this uh, the planetar that had arrived, you know, in the sight of the Moonweaver, there was no sign of humility or 
a change in our tagging in this scenario, then it would have been like, all right, I'm going to put you in timeout for, you know, a few days or so and let everyone stew in that space. But based on Jester's interactions, based on her seemingly wanting to sacrifice herself to go with him for a moment to our tag and kicking her away to save her. It was just enough of these beats in these moments to show the moon weaver and the avatar that she had sent like, okay, maybe this isn't the same, you know, troll of a, of an arch fae that she had known for an extended period of time and was like, all right, maybe this is just enough. Maybe this is enough of a lesson. Mm. So that was, that, that was my mindset going on. And like I said, when we get to that moment, it's just kind of, Letting things go as they happen, you know, like all my favorite moments in D&D are when preparation is out the window, or in this case, there was no real preparation and just kind of seeing how things naturally felt. So that was kind of that was where it went. Bam, man. Okay, Laura. So based on your reaction there, when he said that, were you what were you thinking during that moment about like, were you thinking this is it? Like, he's going to be gone? Or were you thinking, I thought that Artagan, Artagan was going to be taken away and uh, like, I just was going to be. Did she freeze or is that him. just me? Did I freeze? Oh, oh you're good now. You're good now. You're good now. You're good now. Oh, it says my internet connection is unstable. Hold you're stable on. now. Oh, Did just like I the rest of the Wi-Fi? world. <laughs> Hold on. Am I back? Yes, you're back. Okay, I changed my Wi-Fi. Okay. Okay, okay good. Hopefully yeah. this one works. I was hoping you were going to freeze in a really weird face. Yeah, it was like for okay, that's awkward. <laughs> um No, yeah, I thought I thought Artigan, Artagan, Artie was going to be just gone gone and Jester was going to be left alone. I'm frozen again, aren't I? Laura's repping that 2020 Wi-Fi right now. Yeah, you're God you're dang you're kind of choppy. Happening? You're choppy. <laughs> Oh, no. Travis is Travis is in the other room playing Call of Duty. No, but he might sucking be. all the internet the Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> well, let him let him do it. He's owning twelve year olds. He's should I, should absolutely I text him? slaying right now. You should text maybe, him, but you should text maybe. him, but you should text him, but he's about to get a W. And now <sighs> you're going to text him. He's going to look down at his phone. He's going to get sniped from twelve hundred feet. What if the internet just knows that I'm trying to talk about TravelerCon and it's just fucking it up just like TravelerCon was? It's just it a tribute be. to TravelerCon. Well, we can try one more time and that's when we'll find out. You you seem okay right now. Artie, I thought Artie was gone and Jess was going to be alone and I didn't know what was going to happen and I was going to have to find some new, you know, deity or something and we would have to go to the Feywild to rescue him. I really thought that like all that shit was going to happen. I was devastated. Man. When it was happening. Perfect. Yeah. Well, what kind of deity would you have tried to find after this experience, though? Uh, like, what would I mean, Jester have been drawn to after this whole experience? Though? I mean, probably the Moonweaver uh, mm. in an attempt to make amends, you know? So yeah. I'm guessing that's where it would have gone. Hmm. Yeah. And I talked to you, Matt, like... Like the amount of times that I sat down to like write something down for Traveler Con and really like prep it out and like have a speech prepared. And then every time I went to do it, I was like, this is just so wrong. Like Jester wouldn't plan it. I can't plan this. 
<laughs> because she gets so bored. Like she doesn't even plan a sending message. She can't sit still long enough to be like, okay, this is what we're going to say in a sending message, which is 25 fucking words. Like there's no way in hell she would be like, I'm going to plan out, you know, the whole thing. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the process of planning TravelerCon? You know, I mean, you were looking forward to it for so long. Were you surprised by your own reaction to the whole concept of the cult itself? Yeah. Yeah. If that, if that cult hadn't been there and she hadn't seen what a false god can do to people, um, I don't think she would have come to the realization that what her and the traveler were doing was detrimental mm. to anything. Mm. And it wasn't just innocent pranks anymore. It was like, oh, we're fucking over people's lives. Hardcore. Right. Um, and I told Matt um, that if if we hadn't decided, if he hadn't said, you know, I don't want to do this. Like, what if we, I, I, I don't know if it was Artagon that like suggested the Moonweaver or suggested we go to another deity. Maybe it was Caduceus. No, that was, that, that was, that was you, Caduceus and you. Yeah. And you were mm. like, yeah, let's do that. If you had been like full on, let's just pretend I ascended. I think Jester would have stepped down at TravelerCon and she would have been like, yeah. this isn't real. He's not real. Like, I don't, I don't think she would have seen it through. That would have been freaking brilliant too. And interesting. Ah, uh, hmm. What are you drinking there, Matt? Oh, this is uh this is the, the classic, uh, delicious liquid known as fruit punch crystal light. Oh, wow. Damn. Classing That's it up. It. Classing it up. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, for both of you, <laughs> anyone can chime in here. How do you feel everything went with TravelerCon as a whole? I mean, with the party, with the confrontation, with the Moonweaver, <laughs> you know, there's this has been building up for, God, it feels like a year yeah, even more. Even and, more? And for for me, I'm super happy. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I was keeping it that way. You know, like I, I built all the things around it. You know, the uh, the Village of Vaux and all the challenges at Rumblecusp. Once, once it had been suggested by Jester, it was like, okay, everything around it's going to be, you know, interesting and fleshed out. But as the actual convention, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm keeping myself from doing that. And it's like this very scary, like freight train that's just been slowly coming towards us for an extended period of time. And I'm like, well, we'll see when we get there. And then yep. when we get there, I'm like, all right, Laura, what do you want to do? So I'm, <laughs> I personally, I'm, I'm very happy how it turned out. It was every bit as much of a, uh, you know, keeping in, in, in with that uh, analogy, uh, as much of a train wreck as I was hoping it would be. Um, and still have some some of the very interesting uh, character beats and you know mini arcs and and kind of transformative elements to it that I was hoping would come through naturally in the narrative. Yeah, I was hoping for a complete clusterfuck, and <laughs> and we got it. We got did. It. We did it. Congratulations. I mean, the Mighty Nine doesn't really know anything other than that so it's <laughs> you know what i mean it's 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 on brand mm -hmm. yeah 
the group's bailiwick. But I yeah, did exactly. I did appreciate just the amount of um like growth that Jester got out of it and and like self-realizations and the way that her and the traveler's relationship has changed through all of it. I um I didn't expect all of that to happen and I'm so thrilled for all of it. Well, yeah, let's talk about that because there was such a big roller coaster there throughout the whole rumble rumble cusp thing. <laughs> what are we going to what are we going to what should we what should we call it? What should we call this arc uh as we're looking back on it? You know, we have like the chroma conclave arc, you know what I mean? We have what are we going to call this? It's true. Matthew. Uh traveler clusterfuck? <laughs> clusterfuck con? No, I'm cl- cl- cluster cusp. Cluster cusp. <laughs> yes, that's going to be. I'm going to change right now my Wi Fi network name to cluster. Perfect. Dana no, does but, not approve. Yeah, yeah no, no, it never, sounds kind never. of. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds really gross. <laughs> yeah, whatever cluster cusp sounds extremely wrong. I feel like Ashley would really dislike that. I feel like that's a lot of that's a lot of consonants that she doesn't like all yeah. crammed together. Um, the dirtiness of it maybe wouldn't bother. What about Rumblefuck? Rumblefuck is Rumble, pretty good. Rumblefuck is my next the, D&D character. <laughs> oh, give me some art of that. Yeah. Uh, no, but Laura, Jester's feelings about the traveler were definitely on a whole, you know, emotional roller coaster throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah. Her friends, you know, had a little bit of an intervention. Was there ever a point where she considered literally just walking away from him? Yeah. I Tell mean, me about that. It, okay. It could have progressed to that point. Mm. Um, Jester always uh, gave him the benefit of the doubt and uh, loves him with her entire heart. So, uh, so yeah, if he would have not uh, seen that what they were doing was not acceptable in his own way, um, then yeah, Jester would have would have probably walked away and uh, not necessarily, I don't know if, it, if she would have walked away from him, but uh, if that's where it would have gone, then that's where it would have gone. Cause yeah, it would have been, a, it would have been a big issue for her. How hard would it, would that have been for her to just have to do that? I mean, obviously the circumstances would put her in that position, but that's still a big. I have no idea what that would have meant for hmm. my entire character. <laughs> Right. No clue. Right. What it would have been. So. Well, how does she feel about him now? She she loves him, but at the same time, she doesn't. um, uh, Adore him without barriers, without any. Mm. you know boundaries or yeah yeah she she sees a little bit more of him who he is and the worshiping aspect that she had for him is is not there anymore it's not a full worship she she knows he's not a god and she sees him more like another friend you know Um, yeah so i yeah that is a that's a complicated relationship for a a cleric to have yeah i'm really interested to continue to see where it goes from here it's yeah it's very reminiscent of like 
the child who the first time they realize their parents are fallible. Totally. You know, where yeah. the entire world is that parents are they know everything, they can do everything. Um, there's nothing to worry about. And the moment that a child realizes that their parents can make mistakes, can be wrong, um, won't always be there. It's a, it's a big, it's, it's a big shakeup of their world Hmm. and kind of watching that happen with Jester has been extremely fascinating. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm such a fan of my players that I just, I love, (laughs) I love watching the things they do and the way they react and, and, and how they carry the story. And yeah, I'm just I'm just been enjoying the hell out of this. <laughs> oh man, me too, me too. Um, Matt, do you think Artagon? Did I say it right? You did. Yeah. Stop the show. <laughs> <laughs> Go out on a high note. I'm right one and one thousand and four hundred twenty-three. <laughs> do you think he's actually learned his lesson? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> or as much as an archfey could i mean he's been alive for a very long time and when you've been alive for an extended period of time old habits are hard to break um as we know from Talison, exactly um but he, he has been living out and then an archfey is in some cases in a similar vein as to like a demigod they're not a deity but they're extremely powerful but they're extremely powerful in the fey wild Mm. he's outside of his home zone. And so he's still a very powerful being comparison to, you know, a lot of other entities out there, but he's, you know, he's free in a place that he doesn't have complete domain over. Um, and he's been humbled a few times by one, the choices he made and the pursuit of this odd new power leading him to a position where he took away his own freedom that he had been, you know, wanting and, and coveting for so long. Um, and then in doing so, and also ended up being humbled in the face of, uh, of a God. Uh, and so I, I think he's definitely learned a lesson or a series of lessons to some degree. We'll see how far it sticks and where their relationship goes. I mean, I, it's, it's fascinating the way the power balance and the relationship has changed with Jester and, uh, in a weird way, a, a him being a being that's always seen himself as untouchable and beyond most mortals, except for a few of his favorites, you know, at least from my standpoint, he's weirdly having or beginning the process of learning to accept that he's probably a little closer to those mortals. He never paid attention to, Mm. you know, I don't know. I'm I'm very, I'm I'm very interested to see where this goes. Like I'm, I'm still kind of learning his perspective through all this. Um, and, and I'm, I'm excited to explore where that goes from here. Yes. Yes. Laura, I see you grinning over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you, have you felt like, you know, how we've talked about on the show a bunch of times with other people in the cast and even, even in campaign one, we talked about this, but where, you know, there's several re- weeks or there's an extended period of time where in the game, the focus is on you. And how, you know, everybody sort of reacts to that differently. You know, Ashley kind of panics, you know, but back then she was going in and out. So it was a lot harder for her. How how has this been having kind of this ongoing thing that finally has come to head? And now we literally just have no use for Jester anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> like this is all anyone was waiting for. And now her character arc is totally over. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to pull a Scanlan. Well, are you going to start using healing spells now? Or are you going to start mixing Please, stuff up? You're funny. Um, yeah, that's her new outlook. She's actually going to be a healer. <laughs> that's what she's I learned would love this. it. I would love it. I would um, love it. Uh, no, it was nerve wracking. It it was so nerve wracking. I got so like <laughs> every single mm-hmm. episode because I didn't know where the game was going to go. And every single time I was like, OK, this is definitely going to be Traveler Con. <laughs> and it just mm-hmm. wasn't for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it feels I'm, I feel very relieved that it's uh, it's on to something else now. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so much fun, too. It was like. I feel like. Like I kept, she was so emotional. Like I kept getting so emotional as her through all of this. And I was like, why is all of this pouring out? Like, where is it coming from? Like, why is she? And like having to come to terms with all the things that she's actually going through is, I don't know. It was just crazy. It was, um, but it was good. It felt good. Yeah. It was so fun to watch. And I feel like you just nailed everything, man, that entire the entire dick volcano situation <laughs> will definitely be a highlight of campaign two for me. It's like, it's going to be like Molly's death always. And then it's going to be traveler. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, don't, Matt, don't look at me through the, through the computer like that. Danny, <laughs> you too. You're a terrible oh. person, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan Foster. <laughs> Do you know what else I have missed besides being missed by literally millions of people around the world. <laughs> what, Brian? It's cosplay of the week, Matt. Yay! Yay! Cosplay of the week. <laughs> oh, friends! Our winner was sent in by Natalie at Shield Maiden with two eyes. Right, Danny? Yes. Oh, thank you. Photo by at Ashenide. Uh, let's take a look. Oh, yes. yes. Holy Wait, gosh, is amazing. Holy. Which yeah. con is this at? Can we this tell is which con is Okay, okay. This oh, my C2 God. In the before times. I know. She looks the, amazing. I mean, days before the before times. Oh, yeah. my God. Look at that oh. sword. Yeah, the magician's judge looks amazing. Look God, every pants. part of that. I just that. love the, the attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the strappy things on the legs. <laughs> God, the texture on the on the elements that are coming through the straps too. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, nice. Man, that is de- yeah, that's detailed. I love it. So good. That's hot. Not man. gonna lie, that's hot. So good. I can see why Bo <laughs> into it, into it. Oh that's man, cool. yes, amazing. That's so cool. Congratulations. Wow. That's a really hey, good Yasha. Congrats to you, Natalie. You've won a hundred dollar gift card to the Critical Role US shop. Hey. Can you believe it? Hey. You're getting you're getting a gift card to our exclusive. It's not exclusive. I don't know what it's <laughs> to our gift shop. Don't, uh, to don't our talk US shit about shop. the merchandise, Brian. No, I'm not talking shit about the merchandise. <laughs> you can enter our weekly contests by visiting critroll.com 
Hold on. Ritual. It's been a big deal. I I gotta be careful. How's your shoulder, buddy? I gotta be careful. People on Twitch, you know, playing video games can pop their shoulders up. (laughs) Critroll.com slash submit. Submit. There it is. This isn't live, so I can't (laughs) see the, uh, you know, whatever comes up on the screen, but hopefully something cool. Submit. Rules for our contest can be found at critroll.com. Man, I'm literally just as good at this as I was 175 (laughs) days since the last. Hey, Laura. What? Don't say it like that. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you an insightful question. What is it? How's Henry doing over there? He's good, buddy. He's good. You guys have the opposite hairstyle right now. His is going up (laughs) and yours is going down. (laughs) That's pretty cute, actually. Aw. I know. Matt, next time you're on talks, I want your hair in cute little braids like Laura's. I just got out of the shower right before we started filming, and I didn't have time to dry it, so I was like, "Braids." Yeah, hey, it works. Yeah. It's, yeah, I'll, it's, I'll bring the Pike Fun Buns again next time. How about yes, that? Yeah. Oh my yes, God, they were so cute. Those were a big hit. Let me tell you. Oh boy, I still sometimes if I can't sleep, we'll go on Tumblr. Anyways, <laughs> Laura, continue, please. <laughs> I was just telling you, Matthew, you should wear your hair up in the little half elven. Half up, dude. It's I oh, actually the, really like that. Yeah, I really like that on you, Matt. All right, the next time I'll do that. I'll, okay. I'll yeah, because my, my Geralt <laughs> outfit from Witcher Three. Yeah, <laughs> because he goes out so often and dresses up, you know, and <laughs> fixes his hair. This is the first time I fixed my hair in in, in months. You know. Yeah, I took yeah. a bath for this. You took a Whoa. bath for this? Yeah. We can't smell you. I can't. Doesn't matter. But look, he looks so fresh and clean. So fresh and so clean. I know. That's the thing is that now that Tox is bi-weekly, I only have to shower every two weeks. Oh, wait, but I don't have to do that because I don't have to go in and see you guys. That's true. No. You just (laughs) have to use like dry shampoo or something to make yourself look presentable. I use Gold Bond. I I typically (laughs) will... <laughs> Ash has asked that I start doing it outside the house, but I will typically go through about, you know, a liter of gold bond every. Okay, <laughs> nice. Laura, let's talk about. <laughs> I'm ready. Jester definitely took a huge leap of faith, um, you know, in pleading with the Moonweaver to release the Traveler. Mm-hmm. She found herself kind of caught between her God and the Mighty Nine. Mm-hmm. So who do you think she would have ultimately chosen then? If Artagan hadn't kicked her off. Man. That's a really tough question. That's because Danny came up with it. Here's the thing, Danny. <laughs> Tell me. If if Fjordy hadn't hadn't jumped on my back, Fjordy Jester would have gone. Jester would have been like, I'm going. But him doing that i mean that's why i i froze like i did because i was i really didn't know where it was going to go and thank thankfully I already made that choice for me um yeah it was a really tough call but if 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 ford hadn't been there it would have been a much faster decision <laughs> 
You had a very physical representation of your inner struggle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're literally yes, being pulled in two directions. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about duplicity? What you have it? you have new uh you have not yet, new- not yet, not yet. Oh, it's not yet. No, okay. that kept that like the abilities uh the upgrade in duplicity comes, I think, at level sixteen or seventeen. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And you're still two levels behind everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Jerk move, Matt, but I respect it. <laughs> hey, I mean, you saw Traveler Con. Yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> I, Go everybody down two levels else, else leveled up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man! Could you imagine? Well world's, deserved. World's worst sandwiches and tomato. Mm. <laughs> Back to eleven. <laughs> uh, Matt, we cannot. Use. We cannot discuss the recent events of Critical Role without talking about Vilya. So. Oh, right. <gasps> that because, you know, we're going back to, you know, you know, the whole thing with Sam figuring it out from the chat with the delay and all that stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but that reveal has been waiting to occur really since the beginning of the crit- of Critical Role. Uh, since she created her backstory. Yeah. So, yeah, because I remember we talked about it in the in the talks. Campaign one wrap up. That came up as one of the questions because it's like whatever happened to Keelit's mom after that whole thing. And then you were a little, you were a little, uh, you know, yeah, you said you, you, we knew she was still alive. Yeah. Still alive. Well, talk to me about it, Matt. Talk to me about it. Both. Yeah. Well, uh, when, when, when I got the original backstory from, from Marisha, I was like, I, I was like, in my head, I was like, her mother's probably still alive, just kind of lost to the chaos for reasons that I'll get to when we get closer to it. But I like the idea of there being an eventual reunion when it made mm. sense. And that was that was that was as much as it was just a footnote in my head back then. And then as we progressed later in the campaign, and it became about Keyleth's, you know, her journey of becoming this this leader of the Ashari. Uh, in uh, you know Zephra of her kind of stepping into her mother's footsteps, I never wanted to rob her journey by bringing her mother into it before it was complete. Mm. Um, and it just—I don't know. As as far as the narrative for the first campaign goes, that there wasn't a beat that felt right for it, unless the players actively wanted to go and seek it out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, in which case I would definitely, and I had that at the ready, though I, I hadn't quite fully decided that I didn't know, you know, like, you know, she's on Rumble Cusp, but the village of O, I didn't have that much developed. I just knew that she was on an island somewhere. I'd, I'd kind of worked out the, plotted out the path of her escaping from the water elemental plane to someplace, you know, coastal, island like. And there had been an issue with her memory mm. um, as to why she never returned. And that, and so, if that ever came up, I would develop that in the story, but we finished the campaign without it really becoming a narrative beat. So I was like, well, I'll hold on to that for campaign two, maybe. Yeah. And so it just kind of kind of put it in, in my my drawer there as a possible. You thing put to it pull in back. your drawers there. Yep. Put it in my drawers. <laughs> put it in my drawers. <laughs> my story knickers and just hold it in there and, with a high belt. 
<laughs> oh, stand up and show them to us, Matt. Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, nice and comfy here. Uh, yeah, and then as soon as as soon as we got to Rumble Cusp as a possible visiting location, in my head, I thought of Rumble Cusp as, like, I had some elements of it developed, but that it was that moment that I really was like, this would probably be the island that Villy is at. There's already a community there, people. I'd already developed the idea in my head loosely of there, you know, being a uh, a memory loss aspect of those that were trapped there, and it's like, well, that this would be the perfect time. So that, that was kind of how it came about. Yeah. What was it like to reveal her to the Mighty Nine, who had obviously no idea who she was? And then what was it like to send her home to Keyleth? Oh, it was delicious. That reveal was delicious. <laughs> I was expecting them to pick it up on it. it. And here's the thing, too. It's different when you're at the table in the middle of the story. And because you're not just absorbing the the narrative and the, what's going on around you. You're also have a second mindset of like, what choices should I make in the moment? Is there something I can do about this? God, what spells do I prepare? You know, what's going to happen next? Um, yeah, so you're it, fully in the mindset of that character. Exactly. Yeah. So... So there are details that are easy to pick up as an audience member than there, there, than there would be for the players at the table. So while people in the community picked up on it rather quickly, and I knew they would because I had enough of a couple of things I wanted to seed in there. And I was wondering if anybody would pick up on it. Um, but I was I was happy to find that they were so engrossed in, in their own story. They didn't quite figure it out until the reveal happened, which made it just um, perfect. Um, and then getting to send her home was wonderful, both just from an idea of, of, of closure in the story, but also kind of as a, as kind of a, a long, a long waiting gift to Marisha and Keyleth as well. Mm. You know, like it's, it's something that I'd, I've been looking forward to giving to her. Um, and I'm, I was happy that we were able to. Marisha, did she, she buy Taco Bell on the way home that night? <laughs> she give you a little thank you, Taco Bell. <laughs> No, we 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 drive separately. <laughs> we oh yeah, that's true. The, that's true. All the uh, the in the, you know, the studio health stuff, um, the safety precautions, safety precautions. But uh, no, no talk about that night. Just getting home and her crying, and it was very mm. sweet. Oh man, we talked about it a bunch. It oh. was so cool to see that happen, and ah man, I can't I wait to ask to her about it. Spells so bad on you could he live. Oh, on Keyleth? You don't you don't know Keyleth. <gasps> I know. I wanted to I wanted for Vilia to let me do it for her. Oh. I tried to offer oh. it up. I was like, if you need anyone, you know. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah just so I so could sweet. hear like just so I could hear Keyleth. Oh. <laughs> well, speaking of Laura, what was it like for you to interact with Vilia as a player? Because, you know, here we are in this other campaign that's set, you know, in the future and all that stuff. Um there's been a lot of mystery around her character for a long time like matt and i were just talking about but it, yeah you never met her as vex right ah so what's no. what was that like as a player was it was it weird was it challenging no okay i mean not challenging i mean it was just like any other any other cool character that we meet you know i didn't know what she was capable of or anything um yeah and i don't think I let it seep in too much other than a couple of times where I was like, <laughs> do you want me to talk to your daughter for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? I knew it was going to um, come. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know I tried to, I tried to keep it jestery. Yeah. Keep it yeah. jestery. That's our next bumper sticker. <laughs> there you go. 
I wasn't Matt, sure when she was going to go back. Uh, I was kind of like just gauging it when it felt right. I didn't. There was a possibility of Ilya staying through TravelerCon and being there to experience all of that weirdness. Oh and I was kind of like, Whoa. I'm glad she didn't I, see the shame. Well, I was, I was kind of excited for the possibility of her just being there. Like, um, <laughs> what the fuck? This this is the thing you came here for. Um, but when we when we got to that, like you know, Traveler Eve or whatever, you know, the night before the actual event and everyone was partying, I was I was like. And then that conversation with with uh, Beth, I was like, "Nah, this is the right moment. It just felt right." Mm. Yeah, it was so a part of me that was like, "Yeah, I could have probably role played m- more of them both, but that would have felt like more fan servicey than it needed to be." I kind of wanted it to be just a simple beat and leave the rest up to your imagination. I see. So it was yeah, perfect. You didn't want to perfect. You didn't want to force awakens it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Danny, uh, save me from the Star Wars was, stands who are about to attack me and talk to me. It was also just really perfect because you were able to close out Vilia's story really before all of the Traveler Con insanity. Mm. Um, so it was it, it ended up being a really perfect beat because then she got to have her story be finished, and there was therefore Traveler got, Traveler Con and and Jester's story got to kind of stand on its own. So totally. that was nice. Yes, it worked out well. I like how it worked out. Yep. Danny, is this the first time you've worn a choker since quarantine? I think so, actually. Because <gasps> yeah, because that's really? not something you want to just wear when you're like around the house, I don't, right? Yeah. I mean, I this is also the first time I've like looked nice since quarantine. <laughs> that is started. not true. That is not true. We've been on many Zoom calls together where you look perfectly nice. You don't act nice, well, but you no, look I'm talking nice. To you. <laughs> well, yeah, Thank I mean you. you know, we have a certain uh sort of hate-hate relationship with the, no, but Matt. You love me with your entire heart. <laughs> I do, I do, and more. <laughs> Other people's hearts. Matt, I'll what was it? <laughs> yes. Matt, what was it like to finally play Vilia? I mean, obviously you don't want her to be a, a Keyleth carbon copy, but what were your inspirations for who she was going to end up being? Uh... Well, initially wanted to make sure she wasn't too similar to Keyleth. You know, she 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 was a mother. She had lived through a portion of the Aramente. So she definitely had capability and a sense of leadership and uh, being a, a guardian to a group of people, which is why her position in the village of O as their spiritual leader was such a uh, an, an easy fit for her when she arrived. Um, and it was finding... I don't know. I, for for me, it was uh, trying to put myself in the mindset of a a matronly like figure who couldn't quite recall the reason for that kind of maternal sense. If that makes sense, you know, she mm-hmm. she couldn't remember her family, and then when she did, that became everything. You know, the uh, a woman who had been away from her family for so long, and had the opportunity or to eventually go back, but had to settle some things first. And so, you know, not, not being a mother. Um, it's a lot of just trying to put myself in that situation, kind of feel those things empathically and then just guiding the character reactions based on that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain really how she came about. It wasn't like a layered, you know, character that I sat there and, lived in for days or anything like you would for a performance um 
but just want, wanted to make it feel unique enough against Keyleth, but also not so unlike her that you wouldn't have a hard time seeing that familial relationship. Mm. Oh, that was such a good... That was just so nice. That was also <laughs> just so nice, too, because, you know, we all just miss everything about campaign one so much i feel like constantly even though you know we keep doing these amazing well we kept doing these amazing sort of one shots and add-ons and special moments the wedding was like that's probably the best episode ever of critical role right right danny i think so that's literally the it's best episode it it's is, gotta it's, be it's, up a, there. it's got everything it's it's wonderful it's up there with the cows yeah, if 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 uh, if that wedding was the last time we get to see like a a narr- like an in canon narrative Vox Machina story, I'd be happy with that. Uh, you too, it was Laura. A good send off. It was a really good send off for perfect. Vox Machina for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Enough about those idiots. Let's talk about your new character. <laughs> Let's Laura. talk about these idiots. Jester tends to make friends wherever she goes. You think about like the hag, the dragon turtle, the all the trees and rumble. <laughs> dragon <crust>. turtle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what inspires her thought process to try and talk and befriend pretty much any creature they come across, even if it's even if it's an anta- uh, antagonistic one? You know, um, everybody's interesting. Yeah, except for Celia, she's a bitch. Yeah, that's across the board. Everybody seems to feel that way. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if you piss her off, she might just hate you forever. But everybody else, you know, she thinks it's pretty great. Yeah. Jester can hold a grudge. <laughs> she, she can hold can. a good grudge. She can, but she can also be very forgiving. You know? Oh, sure. If Celia would have come up and been like... I'm sorry, we got off on the wrong foot, genuinely. You know, I think you're pretty great. I, you know, would love to be friends. Jester would have been like, okay. <laughs> sure. Of course. You know, all you have to do to, for her is for her to apologize, and she'll she'll take it wholeheartedly. Of course. That would have lasted up until the point where she realized that you really had no way of getting the dick out of her hand. <laughs> Exactly. Which even that is a phrase that I get to say in in yes. honesty is great. Just but golden, Sam, golden. Oh my god! When she got that dick stuck in her hand, because he said that only a wish spell can release yeah. it. a wish only spell, a wish spell or, can break it. Or there's a magical item called the universal solvent, which is like the opposite of that. Um, oh. Also, extremely rare. Um, so yeah, she. Good luck, Celia. Wherever you are. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh that you was know, so great. She's going to be really into gloves. <laughs> Just really big gloves. Boy. At least, you Boy. know, that. like when I pictured the carvings, when I pictured the dicks that I made for party favors, they were only about this big, you know? They weren't huge. But the golden one? <laughs> the golden one, you know, could have been a little bigger. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, boy. If only you were, if only you were, had a green screen right now, Laura, the things that people. I know. (laughs) Maybe it's better. Maybe it's better for you. I I appreciate that. You you can just use these leaves. It can be like a little mini green screen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. That, that's going to be a tree of dicks. (laughs) That is going to be a tree of dicks. It can't be a tree of dicks. You can't show dicks if we're putting this on. 
No, but somebody right? can can put it on Twitter. I'm not saying that oh, our, okay, our okay, I'm not okay. I'm not accusing our post department our of going to put dicks on there. They, somebody will make this a tree of dicks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of a tree of dicks, let's go back and talk about Vakoto because you haven't been on the show since that happened because there's been no show. True. Um, Vakoto is a really interesting and mysterious creature. So what was your inspiration for him? <sighs> the inspiration came from uh, reading. I mean, it, it is a, a very heavily customized version of an existing D&D monster called a Morkoth, mm. um, which I when I read the new fifth edition lore for it, when the Mordenkainen's magical, you know, tome came out a while back, um, I was just intrigued by how they they had created this creature that had it kind of creates an island around it. Um, and it is this this greedy entity that this very much like, you know, it, it has ways of affecting the minds of creatures around it and getting them to to come into its layer and give them all of the, their treasure and magical items and such. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't enjoy that the creature was only medium in size. I felt like for like so it's an interesting, powerful creature. It's just kind of a, a lame little boop on the battlefield when it's finally revealed. Um, and I wanted it to be something that was a little more changed by its experience and, and tying it into, you know, creating its lore about the thing that it's fleeing from and the astral sea to get it here and bringing all these shards with it to kind of to to be an example of it kind of changing the space around it with the, the variations in the island's topography and places that shouldn't exist there next to each other do. Um, so I, I took that Morkoth idea and just heavily modified it, uh, tailored it to the lore, um, kind of gave it the idea that it had been changed by its proximity to this volcano um, and begun to kind of take on this kind of more elemental form, which caused it to to grow in a similar way to like Thordak did in the first campaign, like that oh. much elemental energy nearby caused it to kind of swell and take on some of the, uh, oh. the elemental elements of its surroundings. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the inspiration for it. And, uh, and then just made it, you know, tailored its abilities to the story I wanted to tell. What was the ability that he had that caused all the mysterious stuff on the island? The memory loss, the theft of items, all that stuff. What was that ability? Uh, well, it, the the initial idea is that the Morkoth has a very strong kind of psychic presence in the island and kind of can always be aware of whoever is within its island space, um, which is how the party kept sensing that they were, they were being watched at all times. Mm. Um but because it had been there for a while and kind of needed the people of the island to maintain its ecology, to, to bring it more things to, you know, to feed it and, uh, and, and give it and harvest things that are, that are of worth because it did not want to leave that volcano. It was too scared to leave the volcano. So for that purpose, as it grew in power, it began to have more influence over the minds of the creatures on the island. And through that was kind of the mist was a visual cue of that sort of influence. Mm. And so it was, it was, it was me developing kind of the mutation of the Morkoth also caused a mutation within its powers to affect the minds of those that stayed for too long. Um, and that was, that was kind of the basis how did of it, that. How did it steal our shit? How did it blip our stuff? That's out? what I want to know. That, <clears throat> that is an actual Morkath, Morkath ability is um, within it, within its island. Shit blip. takes like a it's short a spell. Blip. It's spelled the shit blip ability. <laughs> um, when a creature rests short or long rest on within its island, 
it's not it's a chance for it to take an object from each creature and uh based on perception rules or investigation rules either they either it's recovered or it's not and it finds itself essentially deposited within the layer of the morkoth and so that was that was one of the things that actually existed with the creature that i kept over and tailored into it because it just added another it's layer tight. of interesting mystery oh man that's so cool it was fun that vokodo shit was also one of my highlights of campaign this is gonna be like molly's death traveler con <laughs> brian vokodo and then fan art of the week hey fan art of the week fan art of the week oh, god. my god that transition was so smooth it's like i haven't taken a day off <laughs> It's like I've literally haven't stopped doing the show. It's like I've increased it to four four nights a week instead of just once a week. You know what I mean? That's how we're back, baby. <laughs> this week's winner was sent in by Jin at Callan Thee with two E's. Not the, it's the, you'll see. Let's take a look. Oh, what? That's so amazing. good. Oh, my God. So good. It's so good. Oh, I love Look it. at the little hand holds. I know. Oh. I love, love them. I love Artagan's face, too. It's I so good. Them. Yeah. Oh, that's so I want cool. Like a, I want, like, a little card of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, little, yes. a little flyer. I want <laughs> not a card. I want a giant print of this. Like a poster, say, yeah. yeah. It's kind of more Rain of a poster. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. The, the details are just so gorgeous. I love it. Oh, that's so wow. Cool. I love that. That is a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Apparently, oh, there are, the like, too. a bunch of dicks in the picture, too, that are <gasps> hidden. Really? Okay. There's, like, a of ton of hidden are. dicks. Wait. Wait. Oh, I was like, my mouth was like hanging open as I was. I know we're all of us went into all of us, all of us went into dick searching face. Yes. Now you all know what our dick searching faces look like. Oh no. I can't wait to see the screenshots. Boom. Oh. Oh no. Well, you know what the only problem with like Zoom is? What is that? Like, this is how I want to sit. Like all slouchy, and I can't sit slouchy. I have to sit up straight for this. I feel so awful for you. I thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm sitting on a stool. I don't have my normal talks chair. I have done every episode of talks in the same chair, and now I'm on a stool in the back of my car that I live in. There you I'm go. I'm scooting my chair up so that I can so there you sit go. up. I got my office chair here, along with the you know old dried bird poop from Dagon, you know, it's just, uh, (laughs) this is my, this is my natural habitat guys. (laughs) Well, congrats to you, Jen. Let's not forget. You've won. You've also won a hundred dollar gift card to the critical role us shop, which is full of incredible merchandise that you should get. Spend that gift card as soon as you can, because stuff sells out pretty quickly. Pretty fast. Hell yeah. Don't forget. You can enter our contest by visiting critroll.com. Slash submit. <laughs> we'll see what wow. Max Shapiro does. Rules for our contest can be found at critroll.com. Moving on, who's next? Laura. Okay, we got to talk about 
How Jester feels about the visions she and the others received of the living city. Oh, geez. Yeah, talk to me. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that thing. I don't know what's going on. It's creepy. Do you think, do you agree it's something to look into more? Or do you think, do you feel like they're overacting about it? No. I mean, I think it's a vision that all of us shared and we all got like an overwhelming sense of dread over. Um, I don't, do we know that Caduceus is having ongoing dreams about it? I don't think we know that. Maybe we know that he's had one. He definitely has said that he had dreams. He, had a dream. he said, yeah. I've been dreaming about it. Okay. So. Um, thank you. Thank you, Lorekeeper. <laughs> You're um, welcome. This is my that's job. That's what she's here for. <laughs> yeah, I think it's unnerving. I think that it's definitely something we need. We should continue, especially if it is true that there's like a Molly connection, the nine the eyes of nine or whatever mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's just too much. We have to look into it. It's all too much. Weird mysteries. Creepy mysteries. Yes, I'm looking at Matt's face. I'm yeah, looking at Matt's face. What are you planning, mm-hmm. sir? He's got, a, he's got a good poker face, man. No, he, he really does. There are so many times during the game that like people are doing things and I'm just staring at Matt to see what his reaction is. Same. Same. Yeah. I, I, there's a definitely a look that he gives when y'all are discussing something and he loves just like the fact that you're trying to figure it out. He does this very like, he looks at each person that's talking and then he kind of nods and he's kind of thinking like, yes, I'm, I've caused all of this to happen and (laughs) I will, and I, and now I will use it all against you in whatever way I can. There's yeah. sometimes when I'll look at him and like, you know, things are going on and he'll like look at me. And I swear it's like the traveler is looking at me mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I fully think like, okay, I'm having this this moment with Artigan. Mm-hmm. Artagon. Artie. How, how did I get it right the first time and you can't seem to get it right at all? Because from the first campaign, I called him Artigan. Yeah, and that's true. Like, I saw it in, in my head in writing because I wrote it down and... That's just how my brain went. and But I'm pretty sure I that's... I was wrong. I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of us actually pronounced it back then, though. Danny, you know... No, yeah, you, I also called him Artigan for ages. When you, it was only this campaign where I was like, oh, it's Artagan? Oh, Artagan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Matt does that, though, just to... He changed it. He, he does, does it that just, just to, to mess with me. Yeah, he, yes, me. exactly. <laughs> hey, so, got yeah. Ben- Vengeance for Provencal. <laughs> Dang, Matt's holding the long grudges. Incredible you know? callback. Can you believe it? Pervon. everything. Uh, Matt, I'll let's... Never forget Pervon. Pervon, as I was saying, yeah. yeah. Matt, let's go back to the Vakoto fight. Yes. So you said during the battle that you had picked who the disintegrate spell would hit if it had ricocheted off of Vakoto. So who did you pick? <laughs> we got to know. We got to know who it was going to be, man. Um, well, initially, initially, I wouldn't wanted to choose Caleb, like back at himself. Um, because the immediate threat of that ray towards Vokodo, it would have been just right back at him. Like, no, fuck you. Um, but Caleb also has that ring that allows him to automatically succeed a dexterity saving throw. Mm-hmm. So if it wasn't, you know, it would have been kind of a meta knowledge for me to know. Mm. So 
it would have been it would have been it would have been less impactful because he would have just been like oh i automatically succeed like oh well no way but that's my fault for choosing that but as a meta dm knowledge element of like what would have twisted the knife the most and what would have functioned would have been jester that would have been the second (laughs) the runner-up laura your thoughts i when okay so when caleb was doing that I could tell from Liam's gameplay that he didn't realize that if it had happened, that somebody was going to die, like die, die, because he was just so gung ho about it. And I think only like three of us at the table, like fully understood that somebody could be gone forever just from that one move. Um, And I thought it was going to be me because I had been the one to banish him. So that's what it was that that's why it would have been Jester because like yeah. the, the, the Caleb, the, the, the disintegrate ray, the danger would have been there. But the in the moment to the the logic for him was Jester was the one that sent him back to the Astral Sea, the one yeah. place he did not want to go. And so that's why it would have been Jester as the like the the next choice that I made after the initial reaction. Yeah. So. Ooh. Yeah, I was prepping to die there because my points were too low. If if it would have hit me, I'd have been out and disintegrated. So no coming back from that. Which, by would... the way, disintegrate turns whoever it kills into dust. But you guys are underwater, yeah. so it would have turned you into mud. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Which is awful. Just The question is, Danny. Like fish poop consistency, right? Like oh. Yeah, like fish, yep. fish poop consistency. Uh. Yeah. Uh, Danny, do mm. we think... That the Mighty Nine would have gone to TravelerCon without Jester if she had Hell died. No. <laughs> well, like, Hell probably, no. They would have been not, like, they would have been, they, honestly, not. they probably would have been like, hey, Traveler, bring her back. Fix mm, it. Mm. That probably would have been the, hey, this is your fault. You're yes. the reason why we're even fucking here. Uh-huh. You fix this right now. Sorry, I got like really like upset about that's that. That's okay. Yeah, you did. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what the show's for. It's pa- This is a passionate program, like, man. I cannot even imagine like how much they would have been like, if you don't fucking fix this right now, we're taking our frustration out on you and we're going to murder an archfey just so we feel a little bit better. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just for You're that tiny wrong. little bit of good feeling. Wow. That's, yeah. that's right. exactly what probably would have happened too. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, it's they fun already to think hate. about. It's they fun to think hate. about. That battle too, like, once again, that like that, that was an example of how, players acquiring information about their quarry in advance really changed the tide of that fight. Yeah. Um, knowing where he had come like, like that, that Caduceus divine intervention to, to learn about it would been, was probably the only way they could have acquired any knowledge about what the creature was and kind of where it came from because there were, there was no place to really research on the Island. Uh, so like it, it was no a library. Story. Yeah, it's a perfect storm of 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 the only way this information could have come across, and that information allowed you all to prepare an, the right kinds of abilities to essentially keep Vokodo on his toes and tr- like distracted, wasting his actions, trying to flee and reposition, and essentially not going all out against you because he was continuously afraid of something else breaking through from where he originally came from, and. Uh, 
as a dungeon master, there is an element of frustration of not being able to utilize your main boss of, you know, a story arc to its fullest. But from a, a dungeon master perspective, there's also a, a great sense of pride that your players have been able to set it up in their favor that way. So it it not just balances itself out, but it leaves you with they left me with a very satisfied feeling of like, you know, elements of the fight maybe weren't as dangerous as I had hoped, but that's only because the players succeeded mm-hmm. in preparing it properly and should be rewarded thusly. So yeah, great. but it shows that you're a good and well balanced DM that you get happy about that stuff, and you know you don't only get happy when one of your characters dies. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of. DMs out there that probably would have, um, you know, still wanted to fight with everything they had and not taken into consideration, you know, yeah, sure. extra motivations. Like I feel like uh, what Veth and and Ford did in that fight with the illusions and stuff really turned the tide. Oh yeah, yeah. got in that clutch counter spell. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh my god, baby. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Laura, these past few episodes, there's been a lot of side conversations about Jester without her being a part of them. (laughs) What's that been like to hear everyone talking about you and your character's decisions, but you're not able to really react or respond? (laughs) So, like, you know what I mean? This is always something so interesting in in D&D where you're sitting at the table, but then you're not, you know? Yeah, it's this weird thing where... It's 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 really fun to hear what everybody's perspective is on something um, and not be able to use that at all in your interactions with them. Um, <laughs> and I think everybody is, does a really good job of not uh, not taking into not using that knowledge. Um, but. Yeah, everybody's very protective of her. And I think it's interesting how everybody and and it, like not just at the table, but so many people just don't like like don't trust the traveler. Like to think that he's a bad guy. And even like my sister who's watching the show, oh, she's right. like, she's like, I don't trust that traveler. <laughs> um, and I just I I think it's great because Jester just she's like, no, he's really wonderful. You guys, you don't understand. Uh, I can change him. I can change him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that. A few it times. is such a fucked up relationship. I thought that, that a have. few times. It's 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 a it's an interesting dynamic. You know, of all He's the things I wanted to explore, right? <laughs> all the themes I wanted to explore with this, the the traveler jester relationship is is a very unique one and one that I'm I'm being very careful with. Yes, I'm, I'm, because I'm taking, it, it it can it can it can go to into a, a dark path, which I don't I don't. I don't want to, and I don't want to even lean that way. No, but we can um, tell you're taking great care, Matt. Like, honestly, yeah. you can really tell. And, and, and Laura, you know, obviously we talk so much about like player comfortability and whatever else, but the dynamic that the two of you have as, as these two characters is just, it's unbelievable. And I, I feel like, I feel like you're, I feel like you're handling it well. I can see where it can get into, where it could get into dangerous territory, but you know, yeah. you guys are so hyper aware and Matt, you're such a sensitive DM that, you know, is obviously very aware of how these stories also affect people that watch the show. So, you know, and this is it. Everyone's there, in good are, hands. there are, you know, unhealthy elements of their relationship very yeah. much so. And that's what makes it interesting to explore. And that's what makes Jester and her recent epiphanies with her relationship with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the traveler is so 
interesting and satisfying in some ways is it a lot of this a lot of her story uh, kind of in some ways unexpectedly from where we first started the campaign have been about disillusionment and about of like kind of coming into your own power versus living by the power of somebody else under somebody else's shadow yeah um and it's eyes open it's, yeah and it's been it's been hard for jester and there are times where like my heart breaks watching her react to these things that i'm you know, uh, narratively putting her through and putting her in these positions to make tough choices and tough realizations. But those are interesting things to pursue and learn and, and watch evolve as well. It's just being aware of the the paths that it could unintentionally take in exploring an unhealthy relationship through a role-playing game and yeah. kind of knowing where to put the bumpers when you need to, to, to not go beyond what your players are comfortable and interested in exploring. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, paying respect to the character because, you know, it's one thing to like look out from an outside view and go, this is problematic. You know, there might be some unhealthy things happening, but, um, that, that change, those realizations don't happen overnight. You know, it is one little thing at a time maybe to, to get to that point where you see something for what it really is. And, um, I think everybody, you know, in the group has been so supportive of, of letting her see her, her worth, um, outside of, of that relationship. So, yeah. And, uh, and encouraging that, encouraging mm-hmm. that in her big time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as we saw in the recent conversations and Artagon said it a little bit, but like Artagon at the end of campaign one versus Artagon right now in campaign two are different. Mm-hmm. Um, he, in what ways? In the ways that Jester has changed him. And, mm. you know, and, and maybe a smaller extent, a few other people that, you know, he's been involved with over the years as worshippers of the Traveler and such. But, you know, he came into this world of a purely selfish being of id and impulse um, that and that's how he was last campaign. And he still has those dark tendencies and, and can lean those dark paths. Um, you know, whenever Jester kills a creature, the horrible, you know, spell like, you know, that's an extension of his cruelty as well. Um, Hmm. but, but he's, you know, he went from a purely chaotic, selfish creature to unintentionally beginning to care for things that aren't people that aren't him. And, uh, and it's been interesting to kind of, for me, internalizing his journey and how Jester has changed him both from growing up and, you know, watching her as friends in the chaos and through their journeys, even recently and TravelerCon especially is definitely left a mark on him. And him realizing how this little mortal tiefling has had a, such a, a large impact on who he thought he was has been a very surreal part of, I think, his humbling as well. Being like, oh, ah, shit, I let I let them in. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Laura, do you have any thoughts? I love it. Yeah, I love it too. <laughs> How does Sam know when we're taping this? No. How does he? I'm not answering it. I'm literally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally not answering it. Matt. Nope. I'm not going to do it. He doesn't get his moment. It's the first episode back. He can come in six episodes down from now and FaceTime (laughs) in if he wants to. We're not doing it the first episode back. I'm sick of it. (sighs) Matt. Yes. How excited are you for the party? To get to Isle Cross and Aor, did I say that right? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. It's a it's a very very different location. I was gonna say it's different in in, in than anything else you kind of described in Alexandria so far. Yeah, the closest they've been was their their journey between Uthodurn and the uh you know getting you know to the forge. Um, <gasps> Blueberry just of, cupcakes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, that's that's the closest they've had. But but even even this, you know, a lot of Isocross is above the timberline. You know, trees just don't grow there. This is far north um, and is a very strange alien place uh, that I'm excited to explore and see how the players react to it and uh, see what they discover and, you know, what what this part of the journey entails. I, I am super excited. Laura. Huh? Are you excited? Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, but we got to talk about your mom because after this island adventure, you were able to go back and reunite with your mom. What was that like after having, after everything that just happened? What was it like to finally get to see her again and talk? Like, like a warm blanket. It was just, um, it felt really nice. I felt, it's so weird to have that kind of like emotional response to something that's not, you know, actually real and to like feel in that moment that, you know, that Matt's my mom. (laughs) (laughs) I know we talked about this. It's so weird. I love it. Yep. But but yeah, it's it feels so nice whenever uh the story brings us back to Nicodronus and I get to see her. It's just she's just such a beautiful person. And she recognized how heavy your heart was before. So is it are you finding it easier to open up to her now, or did you still feel the need to, to to put on the brave face? No, yeah, I think I think Jester is kind of getting past that point of needing to put on the mask. Mm. Um, mm. You know, she's finally allowing people <clears throat> to see uh, her ups and downs in a way that she never thought that she'd be able to. So, um, yeah, mommy included. That is something that I know a lot of people really wondered about Jester's arc as we first started to sort of see the way that she handled situations was – is she always going to just sort of go put on a happy? Yeah. yeah or I think that's like- why I think that's why Traveler Con. I think that's why I did have so many fucking like breakdowns yeah. in that, that arc is because she hadn't done it. She hadn't mm. let anybody do that. And she really hadn't let herself do that. Um, yeah. So it was extra like. Uh, vulnerable when somebody like sees it, when you finally allow somebody to see that crack in your armor. Um, Hmm. And then it just kept coming. Once it was out, it was like, oh shit, now I'm doing it again. Oh no, now I'm doing it again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 That's how it is in life though. That's what therapy's like, right? That's what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Except it's role-playing games are a version of therapy. If you play the story, right? (laughs) Yep. Except it's more expensive. (laughs) <laughs> depending on how many books you buy yeah that's right? true that's true it's true <laughs> well my dice habit is more <laughs> that's for damn sure yeah. hey gang hey i recently went through a move very recently to a new car 
Yeah, from one car to another. Yeah, I went from a I went from a I went from a 96 baby blue <laughs> Ford Bronco to a 97 baby blue Chevy, what's the name of the Chevy? Wait, what's the Chevy version of the Bronco? Fell apart right before the finish line. Uh, what's the Chevy version of the Bronco? Where's I my fiance know. who knows more about cars than I do? I don't know. That was very sad. Continue. That was a sad moment. I'm glad we all witnessed it. Shut up. Um, I recently moved and I realized that I have a lot more dice than I thought I did. Um, and it's a little bit of an issue here because I don't really know I'm going to have to build some sort of, you know, because I don't have them separated into, I have the, the Laura Bailey dice bag, but I have them separated by sets. I don't have them separated by, you know, number. Oh, but now I'm thinking I might just make this entire wall here. Just dice, you know, like, wait, the, you have the bag, but you only have, do you have multiple sets in each pocket? Every pocket is a different set. Yeah, that's not that many sets, bro. That's like 10 sets or eight sets or something. I don't know how many. Oh, no, but but what you're not seeing over there in the corner is things I got from the Do It Center that have drawers and drawers and drawers of dice. Lend some to Ashley. (laughs) I offered. I offered, but I think the dice that I bought her for her birthday are the ones that she's rolling like shit on. Buy her new ones. But she keeps rolling, but her birthday's not for another year. I can't buy her dice if it's not her birthday. It's literally in the D&D relationship rules. Yeah. She is rolling like shit, though, and we've got to do something about it. She got better recently. She got better. She did. That she last episode, better. she was rolling a lot better. She did. Just because she's- Maybe her, maybe she like did a ritual over her she, set. She something. told me she stole some dice from your giant bag because you wouldn't notice. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. You know what sucks about the, you know what sucks about, and Danny's going through this too, but do you know what sucks about the pre-taping of the episodes and them not airing live at the same time that, we, you know, because is, is that Ashley comes, comes back home from the studio and mm-hmm. she go and and then I say I say was it the Vakoto fight? And she goes, oh, it was. Yeah. And I go, well, well, are you dead? Is is is, is, is uh, you know? And she goes, mm, you have to wait and see, buddy. Yeah. Yes. She won't tell me anything. It's just That's like the home game. Her, hell yeah. Yeah. I don't like this one bit. I revolt. Make you wait. I have two questions that I ask Marisha after every single game, and they are. Did anyone die? And did anyone make out with anyone? <laughs> Those are the important questions. These are, of course these are my would. questions. Of course uh, you would. <laughs> oh, I wonder if something's going to happen soon. <laughs> I know. Matt, our uh, last question of the night, we've been here for a while, is uh, about Dimble Thadine. Did I say that right? Sure. Come on. Who? Come on, Matt. How is Thadine. it? Thadine. I know. I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> I had to get them all right and get one wrong, or the people are going to think there's something no. wrong with me. If it, I go been, back to back to back to back to back, they're going to think it's something wrong. With me. No, it's been long enough to the point where I had forgotten most of your shtick. So it's just being <laughs> especially impactful to remember it right now. So. Well, the only uh, the right, only we're conversations we've had for the last several Ooh. months have been out of character. So you know you're getting true the enough, real, true you're enough. getting the real me. <laughs> uh, Dimble Th- 
theodine is a f- continue <laughs> obviously a fantastic <laughs> new shopkeeper for the night to visit and her wares uh, seem especially tailored for somebody like jester though really so what was your inspiration oh God, for the goliath stones are the best thing ever i know the oopsies <laughs> what was your inspiration for the goliath and her joke shop items um partially you know i i want to reinforce that the purchasing of magical items is a rare thing in the world you know it's it's not like you go down to your local 7-eleven and pick up some magical items necessarily um low level <laughs> stuff are, are more accessible for lower level enchanters and such um but especially given the fact that there has been a war especially in Rexentrum and locations like that that are very heavily influenced by the Cerberus Assembly. Um, any real powerful items would have been, you know, confiscated and brought to the front lines to be utilized in in those conflicts. So um, it, it led to a bit of a challenge whenever the players are looking to purchase magical items and such. And so, if, you know, a, a couple of ad- you know, locations they have access to, they're lucky if they find a magical item, an odd, you know, artifact that is for sale from somebody. Um, for this particular shop, I was thinking about what kind of person would run a shop in the middle of Rexentrum in which they are surrounded by extremely powerful mages that keep a very firm control over major powerful enchantments. How would they build a business? With a bunch of really small, shitty enchantments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I took a lot of inspiration as a kid. Like growing up, I loved novelty shops. I loved you know joy buzzers and the you know the the, the dollar zipline gag and like uh, stink bombs. Like I love that. Did you ever go to Suncoast in the mall? <laughs> remember <laughs> Suncoast? Oh, I remember Suncoast. Yeah. yeah I was about Suncoast earlier. Uh, um, <laughs> but like there was a place uh, in L.A. when I was younger called Wacko. That was a shop out here that had a bunch of just interesting, weird, odd things, and it had some novelty things you could purchase. And so that was kind of my inspiration for this magic shop was was the idea of just a a place that sold a lot of weird knickknacks and collectibles and a bunch of slightly shitty enchantments. I loved uh, it. I I don't think I've seen a shop like that in a D and D game before. I love that. Yeah, just kind of a, a a mass production of of low level magical items, like super low level, mostly just silly. I didn't expect them to buy them all out, though I should have in hindsight. Um, but it was more just like making a couple of really silly magical items that have very very corner case situations they would be actually useful, and and just give them to the players and see where the fuck they use them in the story, if at all. Yeah, you know that that wait. dust of deliciousness. I was like, I don't fucking know what or how or if this would be useful or interesting, but I'll give it to him. Like those, those are not my favorite items to create. Are the ones that I'm like, this is weird. I don't know how the hell it'll be useful, but take it and surprise me. Apparently, a year and a half later. Yes, so. <laughs> I mean, I, and again, not I, Laura. I have praised you for this so many times, but it's Molly's death. Okay, <laughs> dust <Stop>. of deliciousness. <laughs> Traveler con. All of them have to do with you, except for Molly's death. You were trapped in a cage. I was at the yeah. time. If 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 I if, was if, if, pushing if, out a baby. Well, yeah, I was talking about out uh, in the game. Oh, but if oh, you want to oh, talk oh, about, oh. yeah, but uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for tonight. That's it. Oh man, I feel oh. like there was so much more to talk about. There is, there is, and there was, but we've we've obviously taken a lot of your time. Uh, and we're going to keep talking. We're going to keep talking about all these episodes the next time both of you are on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to thank 
Matthew, and Laura for joining us tonight. As always, the wonderful lore keeper of Critical Role, Danny Carr. I just want to say before we go, I know it's really hard out there for a lot of you folks, and we've missed you a ton. We're so glad we're able to bring uh, both Critical Role and our flagship show, Tox Machina, back to you to hopefully (laughs) cheer you up throughout your week. But um, we're glad to be back. And as always, don't forget to love each other. Don't worry. It's almost Thursday. Stay turnt, my friends. Stay turnt, my friends. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks. Let's go. Thank you for listening to Talks Machina on the Critical Role Podcast Network. If you like this episode, please consider supporting us by rating and reviewing this podcast on whatever podcasting app you're using. Tox Machina airs every other Tuesday at twitch.tv slash critical role. Until next time. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.